Hey, hey, y'all, you are listening to Definitely Not For Everyone with your girl, Nicolette, and I'm here with my co-host, Diana, and you know, bitches, like, we are talking <laughs> to somebody so amazing today, I don't even know what to say. Um, we are here today with the queer indigo, Barry Brandon, <laughs> baby. Hi. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> so... Barry is a creative curator, community influencer, entrepreneur, and creator of For All Humans, and so mm. much fucking more, okay? I was only introduced to you through TikTok, and like, mm -hmm. as we all fucking know, pandemic has been shit and horrible, and TikTok made me feel happier. <laughs> it made me feel lighter, and watching you, so, okay, people, I got my period. <laughs> and when I have my period, usually I feel really like ugly and, you know, pasty and just yucky. I watch your videos, boo. And I am the fiercest thing around. <laughs> yes. I go in. I'm like, yes. And I'm walking. Walking with you. Please, you can't I'm walking with you. I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Strutting, strutting from like the kitchen to the bedroom to the whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I have you here today really to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, no thank you way. so much. You for your posts, everything. The walk, mm -hmm. the confidence, the love, the I feel it all when you do what you do. And I just wanted to say thank you for that. Oh and my God. I also wanted to find out more about you because I've yeah. been looking and the things that I want to know are like when you was a baby, like in utero, you know, like what, <laughs> who were you when you was in there in your mother's room? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, a queer I don't witch. know about that. <laughs> she was a queer fucking witch. Yes. Uh, <laughs> this, is gonna be, I, this is gonna be i feel like we're gonna be talking for hours and i'm not mad about it so you just tell me what you want to know and i will tell you everything <laughs> that you want to know okay. okay we're gonna start so yes i want to know the beginning okay yeah i want to know about your childhood childhood what yes. were your parents like what kind of child were you did you mm -hmm. have siblings mm -hmm. like all the, the like foundational things. Foundational things. Okay, so I was born oh, in Miami. We should have had cocktails. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yes, we should have had alcohol. Shit. Oh, anyway, you know what I had? This would have been perfect for yeah, cocktails. Next time. Next, next time. time. Next time. Yes. Here we go. Childhood. We're ready. Oh, yeah. No. Does anybody have wine? I don't have any wine. Oh my god. Okay. All right. Right. Yes. So <laughs> I was I was born in Miami on South Beach, which made me a homo from birth. You get it. Um, no, actually, so my, 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 my parents are from New York. My mother grew up in Long Island in Patchog and my dad grew up in Brooklyn. And then they moved to Miami as the Italians and the Jews did. They were cold. So they went to South Beach and I was born <laughs> and I was born there. And I don't know how much you read or how much you, you deep dived in, but basically I've, um, I've now undergone eight open heart surgeries, but I had the first mm -hmm. one when I was like one day old. I think mm -hmm. I was like 36 hours old. So basically as soon as my mom uh, had me, they were like, uh-oh. And then there was like immediate surgery. So I had a very strange upbringing um, to mm -hmm. say the least. I mean, I say that, okay. I say that from like, 
it's a strange thing to even say because it's all that I've ever known. So for me, it's normal. But I guess as I've gotten older, I've realized that it wasn't. Do you know what I mean? So I'm like, yeah. I look back at myself with the condition that I had mm-hmm. and I'm saying to myself, well, that's the only norm that I know. So to me, that's it's right. just what it is. But then in talking to people, they're like, oh my God, that's crazy. I'm like, is it? So I guess <laughs> as an adult, I learned that my life wasn't quote unquote normal and what is normal anyway I guess what I'm saying by normal is like it wasn't the standard of a childhood but you like went to school I was like in the hospital half the time or back and forth you know what I mean so but it felt it felt very regular to me I I didn't you know I didn't even realize that I was different until I was like maybe I don't know maybe the fourth grade and I had a valve replacement and it was um you know, they, they wound up putting like an adult valve in because they wanted it to last as long as possible to not have to go back in. And mm-hmm. I think that that was the time that I remember that all of a sudden I wasn't the same. I looked around and I was like, this is, yeah, maybe I'm not. Wow. The right. What was, what was it that you exactly uh, what was the con- had? What was the condition? So they actually, they actually didn't know and they didn't diagnose it until I was much older. So what they've diagnosed it now is Schoen syndrome. Um, but, but for the first, I, I, you know, I honestly, I think I wasn't until my, my twenties when they even gave the name, it was just wow. this unknown heart condition. And, and, I, uh, there was a, there was a, there was a good cardiology team at, at, um, the university of Miami, which is where I had my first four surgeries. And so basically mm-hmm. everything was very experimental and they just were going in and doing whatever. And then there was this other cardiologist and this heart surgeon, their cardiology team and heart surgeon out of University of Birmingham that was kind of ahead of the game. So I had my next three surgeries there. And then I had my eighth surgery at the Mayo Clinic um, by the surgeon that was about to retire. And he was the only one that would take my case in the States and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, it was, um, you know, I, to kind of summarize it, and of course we can go as deep into it as y'all want, or we can keep it kind of like moving, but it (laughs) honestly wasn't anything that I ever felt very different until I realized that I was. And it actually wound up making right. sense because me as this sort of queer, agender person with a heart condition who identifies as an indigo child and a, uh, you know, and, and a clairsentient being, it was just like, it was just sort of part of the norm that I wouldn't be normal in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> if that makes any sense. <laughs> yes, you know that what I mean? makes complete yes. sense. I was just yeah. the, the weirdo in all areas. Right. <laughs> yeah. Did you end up like not being able to do certain things that you had wanting to do, like when you were little? Do you know? Like what um, other kids so, did? Did you even notice that part? The old, So my mom at the time, you know, she had this really... So I, I think I was also kind of fortunate that my my likes weren't like I wasn't into sport. I didn't want to play football. Mm-hmm. And one of the one of the main can you can you imagine? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> of all the things, and one of the one of the major things that I wasn't supposed to do was do like contact hardcore sports. So luckily, I didn't. They weren't part of what I wanted to do. I <laughs> I should not have been doing them. So also I didn't want to, so I didn't do them. That's but right. I will say. There was a bit of, yeah, I mean, when I was, when I was in high school, I didn't wind up graduating because I spent a lot of my ju- junior and senior year in the hospital for some complications. Mm-hmm. And all I ever wanted to do in my lifetime was move to New York and do musical theater and be on Broadway. Like that was my dream. Right. And I, I did knew feel, it. I knew it. I, I was going to say, yeah. were you a theater child? Did you like love the theater? I knew it. It, and you know, and it was one of those things where I think I was really, I think there was a time in which that I began to feel like I had no place in the world because mm-hmm. everyone had these 
opportunities or these, um, um, you know, they, they were able to, to either straight away go seek out their passion or move where they wanted, or they could go to college or whatever, whatever the segue was. And I was yeah. sort of stuck between mm. sick, sick and not sick for a long time. Mm. And so I was pretty de depressed about the, my inability to be able to do the things that I wanted to do. And it wasn't until I had my eighth surgery when I was like 27 that I finally can go that I wanted. I had a, a bit of a rough patch, I would say, um, in my later teen years until my felt very displaced, um, very uh, behind to execute um, my passions. And I also felt very like underdeveloped in the sense that I didn't have any skills. And I think uh, that the part was like, I didn't have any skills because I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, I tried to go to college and mm -hmm. time job and I, I was sort of this like between sick for a while, but um, I guess that that was just part of that's just part of what I, you know, the cards I was dealt, you know? Yeah. Yes. And wow. once I got over that hurdle, I never really went back to it. So, yeah. <laughs> Did you end up getting to be an actor? Well, a few things. So I, after my last surgery, I moved to New York. I was working at this hotel and I was making all these coins and I was like, wow. Um, <laughs> This is crazy. This is weird. And so I, I funded my own EP. My best friend is a songwriter. So I recorded a five song EP. And, uh, and over the course of the next couple of years, I recorded some more songs. I went on some little tours that I self-produced and I wound up going to like maybe 12 cities around the country, just like really wow. focusing on wanting to do it. Yeah. And then and then everything just sort of kept going like I got out of music. I didn't really want to do that per se, but I really wanted to still be in the arts. That's where my passion was. So it wound up, then I wound up in nightlife promotions. Then I wound up being like a creative director. Then it went into experiential marketing and then it was influencer work. So it's kind of been this, this really organic um, chain. It's like a career that's in the same vein, mm -hmm. but yes. it sort of transitions a little bit from what I'm doing. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, what I love about what I'm able to be doing now, I'm, I'm, it's like, I'm doing all of it. Like I'm right. still, in, I'm still in the performing arts. I'm still um, having joyous, wonderful moments with friends. I'm traveling. I'm seeing the world. I'm meeting queer people, um, and I'm also being compensated for being mm. me. Mm, and I'm right. so, uh, so you know, I'm playing with arts and crafts, and I, not arts and crafts, like literally making. <laughs> yes, <but> like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing with like. <laughs> And I, and I was in a movie and I, there was a documentary done on me. So I've, you know, I've, I've been in front of the camera a bit and also behind it, but now I'm back in front and it feels, yeah, it's good. It's fun. Nice. What do, what does, yeah. what do your parents... The influencer world is not as easy as what people yes, think. I can imagine that it's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell me, like, what was, what did your parents, I mean, I'm going back to your childhood here really, yeah, really yeah. quickly. I hope you don't mind. But like your parents, no. your mom and your dad, like, what did they... What kind of people were they? Like, were they fun, happy-go-lucky parents? Or were they like that old school, like, you know, hardcore, like, God, do you work kind of parents? Like, what kind of parents were they? And you have two brothers, right? Yeah, so I have I have an older sister and I have two younger half-brothers. Okay. Um, my parents divorced when I was three. And then Ooh. my mom remarried a couple years later. And so, and actually both of my brothers live in New York. So there's- well, All right. <laughs> you gonna come visit. Um, <laughs> Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. I have to go. My my brother's girlfriend is a tattoo artist, and she tattoos in Brooklyn. And she did my oh, that's I, bro, oh. she did she did all my tattoos. I have six of them. She did them all. So I have to go back and get twenty more. So I'll be there soon. Oh my okay, good, fabulous. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Okay. Um. So they were, 
it's kind of a, a difficult, complex conversation about my parents because when I was younger, I, I really, I viewed my mom as this like light and she, she's, she, she's fun and she laughs a lot. But over the years, she's become extremely more conservative in her views politically and also with her mm. Catholic religion. And mm. it definitely has driven a wedge between our relationship because unfortunately, I came to a place a couple years ago where I no longer permitted any kind of um, anyone that I felt that wasn't backing a place of equality for every human being. I really took a position that I can't approve. I just can't approve that anymore in my life. And yeah. it, it happened with some acquaintances, some friends, and also some family members where there's been a wedge and distance between because I just can't accept the fact that I feel as though that one hiding behind their religion, um, which as I understand the Christian religion that's supposed to be represented, um, supposed to, to, to be, is this sort of love thy neighbor, love everyone, mm -hmm. has become so... Yeah in my opinion, culturally backwards, where they use yes. this Christian religion to, to, to be in opposition to human beings equality. Yes. And it just doesn't really sit with me. So I, I had a great time growing up. And then as an adult, as I've gotten older, um, it just it's driven a wedge. And yeah. my mm. dad from a much from a much earlier age was um, quite conservative in his views. And so I noticed it with him a lot earlier in my lifetime. Right. Um, mm. Whereas my mom sort of got, I think sort of it happened as the years are going by, it's becoming more. So, but my, my two younger half brothers are extremely radically progressive. Um, <laughs> I know they are. They wanted to. What? Yeah, they sure did. They and sure one did. of them had heels on. I was <laughs> they both did. Yes. No, no one had like. Had heels. One had like. Heels. Uh -huh. Yes. Yeah. So my two, so this is what happened. I was, um, so I was living in Chicago at the time and they came to visit for the holidays and we were texting and I don't remember if I said it or they said, it. honestly, I don't remember who said it, but someone was like, we need to walk. And I was like, oh, there's heels here if you need them. Cause my, my roommate at the time uh, wore the same size as my brother. So he had extra heels because he used to walk in on the videos. Right. And they were like, yeah, absolutely. So they came, my brother Bobby picked the song because he loves Britney Spears. Yes. And my younger <laughs> brother, Anthony, the one that was in the high shoes, he, just, yes. he does jujitsu. So he has like really amazing balance. So balance. it was really funny because when they tried on the shoes, they had tried on the opposite pair. My one brother could not walk in them. <laughs> and I was like- I figured. I was like, maybe switch them. So Anthony put on the other ones and he stood up and he was like, like this? And he was just gliding around like a fucking drag queen. And I was like, yes, exactly how yeah. you walk in there. So then we did those two videos and it was like, the, yeah, it was so, it was amazing. That's awesome. Was amazing. I love that. I saw that, is, that and I was like, oh my God, it makes me so happy to see family, you I know, know, love support, on you. Yeah. you know? I, so, love yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love they're that. Yeah, they're really so awesome. Much. Yeah, they're, cool. they're they're always, they're always they're always trying to go to the queer bars wherever we are around the world. Oh, like, can we go? It's, it's more fun. Where are we going? Where, what are we doing? So tell me, what what life are you leading now? What is your everyday like? We know, already know, but I want you to tell the audience. So they could be jealous. No. They could be jealous too. <laughs> it's actually, it's actually really, honestly, it's really low key. I mean, I'm fortunate. Mm -hmm. My my best friend, um, and his husband and Levi and Jose. I don't know if you how many videos you watch, but they're in many of them. Many, yes. Um, so are they so your partners in there for all humans? 
No, um, <laughs> Jose, Jose is my best friend of 25 years. We went to high school together. Can you believe it? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Levi I've known for like, I think at this point, like 10 years or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, they, they both work uh, remote. So they're usually working Monday through Friday, you know, like not nine to five ish, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, my days are really low key. I'm, I'm freelancing. I mean, my, my experiential work is a no go at the moment because no one obviously is doing any kind of physical event. So I'm, I'm in the midst of pivoting. I've been fortunate. I've been um, getting some freelance work, doing con- some consulting for LGBTQ mm-hmm. consulting for some brands and businesses. And I was producing some um, if, if, if digital events for some clients last year. Mm-hmm. So now I'm doing some influencer work. Um, what is that like? So really, sorry, the day <laughs> is full of my dog, Aww. my dog, yeah. myself. <laughs> Um, and sitting by the water. Uh oh, did I lose you all? Uh, just for a little moment, but it's okay. Um, I wanted to know what is influencer work like? What does yeah. that mean? Um, exactly? I was just about to ask that. No, pool, pool, beach, dog sitting and just relaxing and and just spending really quality time with my best friends. Oh, I love that. So um, so you mentioned influencer work. <laughs> what is that about? Yeah, listen, it ha- it happened. Okay, so. I don't know how familiar you are. My friend Josette is like a mega TikToker. She's got like 9 million followers. Yeah. Wow. It's like nuts. And she's the one who got me to start doing these walk videos because how the walk videos came about is I when I used to work for- in, yeah, when I used to work in nightlife promotions, curating and producing and promoting parties, I just used to walk around a lot of the times in heels and I would walk to the beat of the music and I would interpret it different ways. And um, I know her because I used to produce this show called Sing for Your Life with Jose. He was one of the judges and producers as well. And she was on season one and she won the show. So we've been connected for like eight years. And she got onto TikTok like last year, year and a year and a half ago when it started booming and she wound up having this really big presence there. And so she came to me and she was like, you need to get on this platform. Um, you know, I, I get that these other platforms, they don't really get you. It doesn't really make sense. But I'm telling you, you just need to walk and let people see what you do. And I was like, I'm not doing that. Um, she was like, no, just trust me, just do it. So she came to visit uh, Chicago and me, her and Nicholas walked in a video uh, to this musical Heather's. And I posted it on my page. She's the first video, yeah. Yes. And so she posted it to her page and I posted it on mine and she went on her her Instagram and just told her audience to check down and follow me. And all of a sudden I had all of these views and I was like, what's happening? So... (laughs) The next day she left, she was on a TikTok tour basically. And she was, they were, they had a presence at some festivals and she was like the girl with the microphone. So she left and um, my friends and I were going to brunch. My friend was visiting from Atlanta. Her name is Megan. And it was me Nicholas, Jose and Levi. And we were waiting for the Uber. And I said, okay, listen, before we get in this Uber, Megan, can you just like film this really dumb thing that I have in mind? And it was the Sissy That Walk thing that we did. Yes. And so I posted it. While we were in the Uber going to lunch and while we were sitting, kikiing, having cocktails, I hadn't turned the notifications off of TikTok because I had just really gotten on it. And my phone was like literally blowing up. And I'm looking at the notifications and everyone's like, what are you, what is that? I'm like, I don't know. So I opened the app and I've got 10,000 views, 20,000 views, 100,000 views, 50,000 views. And the thing was off the chain. So the next day I was like, okay, we're going to do it again. But now we're going to wear all black. We're going to go back to like that cute, like our normal, typical kind of vibe that we've got when we're in nightlife. 
and we did the um, do it again video that Robin mm-hmm. sang, mm-hmm. and that one went like worldwide viral. Wow. And I'm sitting oh. here and I'm like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> um, and my friends, like, we're laughing about it. And it was like, really, just honestly, we did it for like no fucking reason. Like, we just yeah. did it. Yes. But then something really crazy happened where I began to receive, and I'm talking like from that day, like they started the day that that, that, uh, um, so when I posted that video, she went viral like the same day. And so the messages began in that moment. And it was people from around the world that were like, I've never seen this kind of representation. I've never seen this visibility. You know, some people would say, and, and I'm not saying for me, I, I know my community. So I know that we exist and I've seen many of me before. Uh, But these messages were coming from people that were in like, uh, you know, the Middle East and Africa that were saying, Uh we have never seen like a, like a male bodied person with a heel walking in this manner. So fluidly, you know, please keep doing this. You know, we, we can't walk outside in our own being ourselves with very unsafe, blah, blah, blah. And so I started having this really contradictive feeling of like, I'm over here thinking that I'm having fun with friends and we're kikiing. And, and just doing these really dumb videos. Mm-hmm. And then I'm receiving these messages of the impact that they're having. And I had to sort of check myself in this moment. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. visibility has never stopped being important. Like here I am living in this fucking queer bubble where I live in Berlin and I live in New York City and I live in Chicago and I can walk out my street at any time, right. anywhere because That's I'm right. passing enough to, to be myself, to be male bodied and male figured and whatever. And someone is literally checking me and clocking me. And they were like, don't forget that visibility, like you're able to do that. We can't. And I just had this, this, Mm. um, this moment of being really checked, you know? So Mm. it went from something fun to being like, let me think about what, what this impact, what they're saying. It went, of course, it's still fun, but I really take, I really take it Mm -hmm. seriously in the impact that I'm hearing and that I'm understanding and reading that it is having on people because a lot of times we as people don't realize our impact. Um, we hear about it or we read it and, and then we, you know, we sit with it for a minute and then we're like, yeah, you know, I just, I didn't see, I, I didn't, you know, you just, I, I don't think of myself as a, a, you know, a life changer, right? So I'm, wa- right. I'm walking mm. through the world as I wish, as I please. Yeah. Um, and if I can impact some, someone's life positively, I, I, I want to be able to do that. So I'm sort of expanding upon what else I can do to continue to introduce my audience to other queer people that are walking so freely in the world and connecting mm-hmm. with people that live globally to showcase visibility in other cities and other countries so it can maybe become contagious oh. to keep kind of letting people live more authentically and freely, you know? Oh, That's why you started wonderful. the walk tours, right? Is that why you started the walk tours? Totally, because I was getting these messages. People were, so the thing about TikTok was really cool that that wasn't available on any other platform is people could do them back. You know what I mean? Like they could like recreate the video yes. and post them. And they were doing so many of them and I was getting these messages and, and I was like, I just am such an in-person person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and I was able to, to get around to these cities. And so I just, I was like, let me just go to cities and post where I'll be and when and invite anyone, everyone is welcome. <laughs> everyone come and so join, cool. meet me at this location at this time. And I'll teach you the choreography, the walkography, and we'll just do it as a, as a community. And so that's what I was doing in those first months of 2020 before COVID. But it got crazy. Like I was in Houston and I think there was like 20 people that came. I went to LA in June over Pride and we did it with masks um, in, in, in West Hollywood. 
and I, for Pride Week. And I think there was like 35 people that came and I was like, and you know, it just was really cool to, to um, see um, people coming to just spend their time and share space to be able to create some some queer wait. some queer shit. <laughs> yes. I can't wait. I can't wait till you start doing it again. And mm-hmm. I can't wait till you come to New York because I am coming. We are gonna be there. I We're gonna be there. Coming. Listen. We are and y'all are gonna tell me the location. Because I know my walk is free here. You have not let me tell you <laughs> people stop me in the street. They're like, What are you doing? I'm like walking. Walking <laughs> to the beach. I'm walking. Yeah, totally. Same walking. Same. Yes. So yes. I, like, I love you. You're my spirit. Yes. <laughs> yes oh we were saying God. that you're our spirit animal. Yes. Um, no. <laughs> yes. I just like. Well, yes. thanks. I feel I, like I, it must be so weird, under- right? No, you're not. But it must feel weird, though, right? Like getting all of this, all of this love from just being you and doing something that you love. Like most people don't realize how much love um, they could how much love they deserve you know mm. what i mean it must feel kind of weird and like overwhelming sometimes i'm sure it feels you know it feels um so i i had this this um i'm trying to break, find a way to break this down super fast so we don't go on this like deep dive into self-value <laughs> but for a long time i didn't have like value right like i felt mm-hmm. i like I felt good about certain things about myself or what I did or, or some, some ways I felt confident, but I, I lacked like sort of gut intuitive value in myself. Mm. And one day I, I got it one day. It just sort of clicked in it with an aha moment. A friend's mom, who's a life coach, just, you know, we can hear something said a million times, but sometimes mm. you hear it from one person right. a certain way at a certain moment in your life and it just clicks. And so yes. I had this sense of value um, a few, a couple years ago and so it, it still feels, I feel un, in some ways I feel unworthy just mm. because I, I don't ever, I never will think of myself as like a, like a celebrity or someone who deserves any additional love or validation or support than anyone else would ever receive. So mm. I think of myself as the same, just another community member who happens to uh, be more um, visible with my social media platform and more people happen to have seen it. But I don't yeah. equate, I don't equate those views to to um, any less than what I would give to someone that I saw. Let's say I saw someone outside doing street art, and they were so amazing and brilliant. I would give them the same love to a person with a thousand followers, just because it's amazing what they're doing. Yes. So I have this sort of contradictory space of feeling very. I have value, and I welcome the love. Mm-hmm. But I also feel unworthy for the mm-hmm. amount as if it's not evenly distributed for the other mm-hmm. queer humans and, and people of color that are also creating um, space and art uh, outside of gender norms that maybe just don't have the same visibility that I do. So it's like, I, I welcome the love, but I also don't, I, I feel um, that it needs to be more evenly distributed. And that's why I think I, I am trying, why I try to, um, introduce so many new people to my uh, to yes. my audience so that they can mm-hmm. see how that I that I'm not one in a million there's so many of us <laughs> right. and I welcome the love and I also additionally want you to know this person and this person right. and this person that's you know right. right right yes that's right and that's why we love you because you can feel that giving spirit you can mm-hmm. feel the humility and you're you're humble but you're fabulous you know you're enjoying the moment and you're willing to share that moment with others 
and that comes across. And that's why we adore you. And we thank you because we feel included too. We sure fucking do. And that's the biggest thing is that inclusivity. I just feel like, I don't know. I mean, so many people have different ways to be an activist. And I used to be really afraid of that word um, Mm. because I I felt, I felt for me that it came with a very, like, like when I, when I thought of activism, I, I, my mind went to the civil rights movement and the impact that those activists had specifically for fighting against that at that moment and how, and how, um, full of blood and sweat and homicide yeah. and, and all that entailed, it, it felt it like activism to me, I had this like extreme approach where mm. I didn't feel that I was on the front line right. the way that I, I viewed you. activism to be. I but what I realized is that in the last couple of years, um, watching um, pop culture, watching recording artists, watching my, my friends and, uh, and, and community members, is activism is so, is so personal. And mm. everyone has the ability mm-hmm. to be an activist when it That's feels right. that they're doing what they can be doing. So for That's me, right. I just feel like my level of activism at this point, and I'm sure it will change over the years, and I hope that I can be even more impactful, but I just feel mm-hmm. like visibility and, and inclusivity is my way of, uh, of my activism for right now, yeah. is like make, hopefully making people feel welcome, included, and seen. Yes. Um, because I feel like so many people don't feel seen and I, and I want to see people. So, you know, I, that's where I'm at now, but I, I hope to, to partner with organizations to be more impactful with my activism, to raise even more awareness and money, but that's kind of where I'm not, but like, that's yes, where my mindset and, for my yeah. version of activism uh, is from now. That's yeah. what's next. Yes. Yeah. That's what <laughs> I was going to ask. The answer that that's what's next. next. You done, done it. Well, <laughs> so what's next? And you just wrap <laughs> it all up for it. Yes. Well, so I'm working on a, I'm working on a few uh, projects behind the scenes and we'll see which ones come to fruition. I'm kind of one of those people that I, I have a lot of thoughts in my mind and then I kind of um, get groups together that I'm thinking about these projects would work well for. So there's a couple of things. One of them is my friend Josette and I um, have this web series in mind and we have our proposal. <laughs> so we're going to start to seek sponsorships for that. Um, nice. And um, I'm thinking about doing a podcast with um, yeah. uh, acquaintances of mine that live to uh, two or three queer humans that live in like in Germany, Mexico and Argentina to give a sort of international yeah. queer perspective. That's wonderful. Um, I'm also looking to work closer with an organization out of Canada called the Rainbow Railroad. Are you familiar with them? No. So Rainbow Railroad is a nonprofit organization that basically assists LGBTQIA plus individuals getting out of unsafe countries into safe countries. So they like uh, financially, um, basically they, they fundraise how they can. And then they use that money to move people out of unsafe countries into safe, safer spaces. That and for me, wonderful. I can't think of a more, mm-hmm. like it, it, for the LGBTQIA community, I mean, there's a million things that we need to be addressing and fighting for and, and, and seeking for more equality, as well as I'm sure the fight in uh, black and brown and people of colors um, viewpoints as well. We're kind of in the same mm-hmm. you yes. know, sect, if you will, of yes. the need yes. for equality. Yeah. But, yes. uh, not but so that's period and then side yes. note is and now take that and amplify that by the fact that if they walk out of their house, house they right. feel as though that they're going to be shot and murdered which that's is right. so different than we have issues in the states that's we right. have it as well 
So it's kind of like, how do we do all of it at once? So that organization is specifically, um, their their mission is to get LGBTQIA people into safety. And I think that that it's is a really great wonderful. cause. So. That is, that is. It's called Rainbow Railroad. Rainbow Railroad, yeah. I love it. Yeah, love especially. It. And how do we, if for the people, sorry, Diane. No, sorry. no. For the people ahead. listening, like how would they get in contact? Get involved. And, yeah. So they can they can visit the website. All the information is on their site with how to volunteer, how to donate money. They also they also try to basically as many people that want to set up fundraising events and donate the money to the organization. They welcome all of it. Um, mm. If they want to get a little bit more information, they can ask me. I'm not I'm not a, an official ambassador. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. an organization mm-hmm. that I've begun. I've spoken to them a few times, and we're mm-hmm. talking about how I could be of higher, uh, a greater assistance in a long-term mm-hmm. manner for them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So we've not we, we've not officially carved it. So I don't want to sit here and say like I'm, I'm this of you know, no, official no, no. ambassador. But yeah. in in a way of I do have more information um, on me, and of course the website has the rest, and I'm happy to converse about it um, via email or in my DMs and I'm happy to send mm-hmm. the links to everyone and anyone that wants it. And um, I share amongst you, friends. Yes. yes. And how do people yes. you're not how, yet, but you're yeah. sharing now. <laughs> and but yes. how would how would people reach you then? Um if, they can I mean reach if you're over there obviously. So of course. So the organization's website is rainbow rainbowrailroad.org. And mm-hmm. if they want to reach out to me, they can I'm available. Oops. Anyway, they can email me um, mm-hmm. at bb at forallhumans.co. Oops. Why is my phone falling? Here we go. Um, bb at forallhumans.co, or they can DM me on Instagram and I can converse there um, or WhatsApp. I can even give out my phone number. I'm totally down. I mean, I like my phone number and email are out there for the world. I am available to engage with people and be a resource and be here for our communities. So I'm unbothered with how people reach out to me. Oh, yay. Um, you're the best. <laughs> I, uh, hope I could talk to you forever. I know. I like, I don't want to let you go right you. now. I feel like I've talked so much. I feel like I need to shut the fuck up. And like, no, like, don't yeah, shut the fuck up. I love it. No, not here. We we talk. Mm-mm. We just talk. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. But I want you all to talk more. I feel like I talked so much. No, you no. did not talk too much. We were asking the questions, boo. Like you know what I mean. And you did all yeah. the answering and stuff. And like you gave us all the things that we needed and wanted, which was like more exactly. of you. So thank yes. you. Yes. Thank you for sharing with us. We appreciate you so much. We thank really you. do. And I hope we thank can for, I hope you, you come back on and we could talk about like a topic, you know. And we need some tequila like, and, and some margaritas or, and we need some cocktail hour. Yes, and we can have a margarita. Please. I am available. If you would like to have me back, I would love to come back. You can pick the oh, topic, thank you can talk you. about anything. I'm yeah. down. Thank you so much, Boo. Thank I you. so appreciate you. To my audience, thank you so much for listening. You have been listening to uh, Definitely Not For Everyone with Nicolette and Diana and the fantastic and fabulous and beautiful Barry Brandon. Um, <laughs> we'll catch you next time, y'all. Deuces, we are out.